This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets episode 118 from the uh, Subway to Shea studio in my office. Last week was a great episode with my guest and good friend Matt A.B. Ibanez from the Till Mets Do Us Part podcast. Make sure you're following him along with his partner John Sapinaro and their podcast Till Mets Do Us Part, which airs live on YouTube every Wednesday starting at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We have another huge episode for you today. There is so much to talk about as the Mets have found their manager. Plus, there is a lot to recap from the president of baseball operations, David Stern's comments at the GM meetings. Here to break it all down with me is Casey Stern. Casey is from the Believe Podcast Network with his show, Unfiltered with Casey Stern. Casey, welcome to the Subway to Shape Podcast. How are you, man? My pleasure, Anthony. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, a lot better than I know a lot of other Mets fans feel, especially with this hiring. So we're going to get right into it. The uh, Mets have hired Carlos Mendoza to be the manager now. This is still reported. It's not officially official just yet, but John Heyman, Joel Sherman, Jeff Pass, and all the major reports saying that the Mets are on going to hire Carlos Mendoza as their manager. Like I said, the Mets haven't made an announcement just yet, but you know, we've heard from Brian Cashman uh, talking about it. Uh, obviously, I know David Stern's trying not to talk too much because it's not set in stone yet, but it's pretty much a, a done deal here. But Carlos Mendoza's getting to his resume. Coached the Yankees organization since 2009. Yankees bench coach for the last four years. Casey, what was your reaction to this hire? Well, I, it was twofold, Anthony. One, I was surprised at first because it's not Craig Council. Uh, but and I posted this out on Twitter, the artist formerly known, if you want to use X, whatever is easiest for you. <laughs> Thank you, Elon. I posted at the time that, you know, clearly it was something that came down to a job council didn't want if the Mets didn't hire him because there was no way that David Stearns or anybody else breathing, and no offense to Carlos Mendoza's family, would want him or probably anybody else that was remotely available more than they'd want Craig Council. So that was the first thing. Once we got beyond that and we found out the council was going to the Cubs for the money he was going and the fact that he never really had an intention or desire to come be part of all that is the New York Mets and the New York media, then it made a lot more sense because where Met fans make me laugh is the same guy who was the biggest reason for all the culture change and they won 101 games was then the guy everybody thought in Buck Showalter they needed to get rid of as soon as possible and they needed a culture change. And then those same people are now upset that it's Carlos Mendoza. Even some of them I've seen tweet and post out that if they knew this, they would have kept Buck Showalter. No Met fan is ever going to be happy. At the end of the day, this is a guy who's well-respected. He's a baseball lifer. He's a guy who is knowledgeable in the game. And everybody that I've talked to over the years has 
always talk glowingly about him. I said this recently, but another guy who fit that category before he ever became a manager, who down here where I live in Atlanta, they were like, yeah, I don't know if Brian Snitker is really the guy. What the heck is that? Okay, great. He's been around a long time. But when Snit got the job, there were a lot of people that were wondering what being respected or being a baseball lifer even meant. And now look what he's done with this team over the years that he's been here. Is that going to be Carlos Mendoza? I'm not sure. But everybody I've ever talked to speaks glowingly about him. And I ask Met fans who are listening, think about this clearly. Who else did you want? Who that was available did you have? Did you want Steven Vote to get the job? You wouldn't have been okay with that either. So unfortunately, it was counselor bust and it ended up being bust. And you know what? The thing to me is I was always 50-50 on council being here. You read between the lines and and what was talked about. You know, he's very ingrained in the community of Milwaukee. You know, his family is, you know, his kids go to school around there. He's big uh, family life in that area. And the thought process to me was always, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's going to come here. You know, uh, I was very surprised that he went to the Cubs uh, originally. I thought he was going to stay in Milwaukee. I'm sure Milwaukee's also surprised that he decided to hightail to uh, 90 miles down the, down the road there in, in Chicago. But uh, I was never a hundred percent sure he was going to want to come here. And, you know, a lot of people talk about the ties to the Yankees with Carlos Mendoza, that doesn't really phase me that much. And, and, you know, the fact that they're, oh, he's under uh, Aaron Boone, you know, it's hard to think about this, you know, as a Met fan and, and, you know, sometimes as a Yankee fan, but, you know, Aaron Boone, if you look at his resume as a manager, uh, pretty successful. Two ALCS appearances and they've won a hundred games two or three times in in his time here. Uh, I think Met fans would love to at least see that in succession, the way that Aaron Boone has done that. And they, I think also was talked about uh, being under Rob Thompson, who's the manager of the Phillies and look at the success that Rob Thompson's had. So, you know, the pedigree is there. Hopefully it works out for Carlos Mendoza. And uh, I, I saw some, some quotes that I'm going to read out here from Aaron Boone uh, on SNY. Uh, he says he's the real deal. Uh, he's grown in the job. He has earned opportunities smelling the the winds over the last month that he thought that he was going to get one of these jobs because people were seeing what he's seen. The only thing people can say is that he doesn't have the experience, but he has managed in the minors and he has been a bench coach. He has managed in the minors. He has done winter ball. He has more than uh, paid his dues. Uh, I think also goes on to say he's very strong, very confident, but also very open-minded and in the tune with everything in the game, dealing with players. He's not afraid to debate talk. He has the ability to push back on anything, but he knows he doesn't know everything. And now Kevin Reese, who runs player development in the Yankees, says he's a baseball lifer, very knowledgeable about the game as the game has changed. He's not afraid to hold people accountable. That's uh, probably one of the keys to being a good manager is that he has that in him. He's going to set standards. That's something he did under long-term player development executive Mark Newman in player development with the Yankees and then kept it with him as he went on. Brian Cashman at the GM meeting says, I cannot tell you the amount of feedback he's gotten that he, he cannot believe this guy hasn't gotten a manager's job yet. And and we've seen, we've seen stuff like this before I, it kind of reminds me of uh joe espada a little bit you know joe espada was the thing last year where everyone was talking about he's going to get a job and and he's the he's the next thing uh it hasn't happened it might happen with the astros so we'll, we'll wait and see on what happens there but um you know 
as soon as he puts on that Mets jersey, and I'm, I'm sure you're in agreement with me, uh, he's got our 100% support. I mean, you have to. Uh, it's a new hire. Uh, we should be excited to see what difference he can make, if he can make a difference. And and now it's really up to David Stearns and trusting David Stearns to build a roster. Everyone wanted David Stearns to be here uh, right around, uh, even before August, right? We always talked about David Stearns last year, and then they didn't give us uh, time to talk with him because Milwaukee didn't want to do that. But we all wanted David Stearns to be here. Now he's here, and now we got to trust the process and you know trust what he's going to bring to this franchise. He's a Mets fan. He's grown up a Mets fan. So I think we got to give him the benefit of doubt here that one, not only he got, maybe he didn't get the guy with, cause it's Craig council, but maybe he's gotten the guy now that will, you know, work with him hand in hand, which we really didn't see with uh, Epler and Buckshow Walter. Yeah. A couple of things. One, the mention of Rob Thompson is a prophetic one because I think if you go back to it, he was a longtime bench coach who was never getting opportunities, who was eventually going to be a manager. And why has it taken so long? And look what Topper's done in Philadelphia. On Aaron Boone, you know, people could say whatever they want. Back to back 100 win seasons when he came in. And I'm a little biased. Boone had been a friend for years. He won my fantasy league that I have four times before he went into managing the Yankees and since uh, has uh, retired his championship belt. Uh, he is a guy who is extremely knowledgeable, has made some mistakes, hasn't been perfect. But what Met fans and people who are dopes and don't want to pay attention don't understand is if you go take that lineup they were running out there every day for most of the year, it's not winning games anywhere. It wouldn't matter if Bruce Bochy had that lineup. That wasn't the lineup he had in Texas. You need to have personnel. Same Bruce Bochy, who is brilliant, the best manager I ever covered, one of the greatest of all time. When he managed the Giants, was the best bullpen handler in baseball. The last year, he was the reason that we have, literally, he is the reason we have the three-batter rule. In one game against the Cubs, he switched five pitchers, I think, in five consecutive at-bats in a game in a playoff series because he couldn't trust anyone. Those names, Sergio Romo, Cassia, Affelt, all the same names. You need personnel that succeeds, so no matter who it is. The last thing is, Met fans are going to eventually understand or learn your personnel, it ain't good enough. It's not good enough. The team isn't that good. Buck Showalter made some mistakes. He's not the reason why they weren't good this past year. So if you asked me, would I rather have Buck Showalter or Carlos Mendoza? I'd rather have Buck Showalter. He's a better manager. He's a more seasoned manager. He was the right manager a year before that. I don't think they should have fired Buck Showalter. I don't think that he had really much of anything to do with what went on, to be quite honest. However, other than the fact that David Stern's a new guy to your point, and there wanted some new blood in there. If you're going to trust David Stearns and this was his first hire, even though we all know it was the guy he wanted second most because he wanted Craig Council, then we have to wait and see and let it play out. At the end of the day, the personnel, it's just not good enough. You're not going to win a ton of games next year, whether it's Carlos Mendoza or if Dusty Baker turned around and changed his mind and managed your ball club. Met fans better start letting that sink in real quick. Otherwise, they're going to be disappointed no matter who's managing the team. I think something more that I'm a little concerned with, and let me know if you agree, is maybe the perception of Steve Cohen and his money. Steve Cohen having the most money to spend is deemed a positive, and it could be, but can also be considered a negative because we've seen with Craig Council and some players that they use Cohen's money to drive up prices and go places they really want to be. So what do you make of this, Casey? And, and should we be concerned 
at all about the leverage that I guess players and and obviously the manager uh, has when we're we're trying to build a winner here. But you know the money is not always going to get these guys over here. I concern no because you'd rather have the money and have other people be using you to go elsewhere than not have the money at all because we can go back to when the coupons. Thank you, Steve Summers, led this club and we got a whole different problem, right? So obviously you'd rather have the money. Is it an issue? Here's the issue: the Mets are a team. You know this is reminiscent of in years covering the NBA. It's like everybody talks about you know the Knicks over the years. Well, it's Madison Square Garden. That's great. It's a building, okay? James Dolan is the person who runs the building, and that's the problem. Therefore, no free agents ever wanted to come play for that team. It's not the mecca for everybody to want to play for. It's the mecca everybody wants to play a game or two in. For the Mets, fans need to realize they've got Steve Cohen money, but most of the shine that came in of the new Mets, and this wasn't going to be like it used to be, and they weren't a laughing stock. most of that's gone. And it's not because Steve Cohen has done a terrible job, because I think that's been overrated to the negative. It's not because there haven't been things that have gone wrong that are out of his power, because there are. But at the end of the day, if you could be a Yankee or a Met, you're going to be a Yankee. If you could be a Dodger or a Met, you're going to be a Dodger. And by the way, so would I. If you take off being a Met fan my whole life, so would I. Shohei Otani not coming to the Mets. And to your point, if they offer more money, all they're going to do is get Otani paid more money elsewhere. Because at even Steven, the Mets are not a destination club. They were edging towards that direction and had turned that thing around, but they're almost back to where they were before Cohen came on board. And that, to your point, is where the concern is, more so than anything else. Remember, they did have to pay Max Scherzer $130 million, even with Steve Cohen, to get him to go there. They had to play a Verlander who's turning 74 years old, a 40 plus million dollar number to get him to go there. And they're going to have to overpay Pete Alonso by a large number to get him to stay as well. David Stearns, uh, he's got a lot of work ahead of him. And I talked about trusting in, in Stearns, trusting in his vision. And he had a lot of good tidbits to say at the GM meetings, uh, which I get, I think got, uh, I, I don't want to say canceled, but they had to close they it did. short, right? Because they, they did, they did shut a little virus going yep. around over yep. there. Uh, well, the, the Mets will, first off, the Mets will not be hiring a, a GM this offseason. Uh, David Stearns was pretty adamant about that. Uh, they asked him straight out, and he answered that pretty clearly. Uh, there's too much on the plate right now. I don't think that they really need a general manager right now. I, I don't. Uh, David Stearns, I think, is capable. Uh, he's done it in Milwaukee himself, and and I, I think he can handle this uh, kind of in the way that you know Brian Cashman handles stuff in the Bronx. So what do you think of Stearns basically taking on the role of GM and president in the baseball operations this season? Did you want to see them, you know, do the pecking order of, you know, uh, president, GM, manager? You okay with the way this has all played out so far? Yeah, I, I mean, look, if there was somebody who was an up-and-comer that could be under the tutelage of David Stearns, be a GM, that's how most of these are. You know, I, I sat there and watched, you know, Jed Hoyer under Theo Epstein, and that's just one of many, many examples where guys are technically the GM, but theoretically, they're not making the final decision anyway. And David Stearns would have the final decision in this matter, whether there was another GM or not. They might be doing more legwork, but eventually it would be Stearns who would be making that choice and would be making that final decision. I think to me, when you look at the situation with the Mets, it doesn't really matter right now who else it is, because this is an important time period for David Stearns to have the reins. You just hired a new manager. You have big decisions to make, the likes of Pete Alonso already on your roster. You have big decisions to make in terms of how much you want to spend in free agency, how you're going to get younger as a roster moving forward. 
forward. And those things need to be under the helm of David Stearns anyway. So what, hiring another name? It would have been him in the background making those decisions anyway, to your point. I think right now it's paramount that he's the guy. That's why he was chosen and paid this money, and he'll end up making those decisions now. I think it was also mentioned that uh, Carlos Beltran will now fall under uh, David Stearns as well, just like he did uh, with Billy Epler when Epler was here. You think there may be a scenario in the future where maybe Carlos Beltran could possibly take those reins? I know everyone wanted him to be the manager, um, especially when they, I guess, unceremoniously uh, let him go with the whole scandal in Houston. But you think there is a scenario where we could possibly see Beltran instead of now you know, obviously that that whole manager thing should be out the window now, but maybe he could be a general manager at some point. It's hard to say. I mean, I don't know if that's a gig that he wants. If that's a direction that he wants to take, he certainly can do that. I think to go back to Craig Council, what a lot of people don't realize is what makes him great as a manager. Everybody goes back to his time as a player. But when he first got a job in baseball, he got it in, in player development. He was in the leadership of player development. He was working with younger players behind the scenes. He was nowhere near a bench. And those things led him to be a better manager. If you ask me, I think this is Carlos Beltran still kind of you know moving further away from everything that happened, gaining and adding to a lot of the accolades and adding to a lot of the people around the game who will see his impact on it. And I think he goes and manages a team someday, whether it's the Mets or somewhere else. That's my guess. But if he wants to be a GM, I mean, he's clearly smart enough. Look, he's one of the most cerebral people that I've ever covered. He never got enough credit for that. He matured a ton as a Met. And then when you look at what he did in Houston in the dugout, everybody talks about 20 2017, but they don't think about all the impact he had on the George Springers and the Altuves and some of those younger players that they had, the Correas at the time. For me, Beltron is going to be an advantageous guy to have. Is he going to be the guy that's the next GM of the Mets? I don't think so. I think they'll end up hiring somebody, but I do think it'll be somebody in the younger variety or at least newer to the GM situation because if you become the GM under a David Stearns or under a Theo Epstein or under a Brian Cashman for that to be a thing, if they were going to do it, you know John Mosellock, same situation, St. Louis. Lewis, these guys are making the final decisions. They're going to have the final say. And I think it's going to take somebody who's not very seasoned, who's looking for their first GM gig, most likely to end up being the guy under David Stearns. David Stearns, like I mentioned, he's got a lot of work ahead of him. And he mentioned the most important part of what they plan on doing this offseason. And that is pitching. Pitching is the priority. Starting pitching, relief pitching. They also mentioned run prevention and defense. Uh, I think we both can agree that, you know, pitching is the priority this offseason, not only because the Mets desperately need it, but that this is one of the better free agent classes when it comes to uh, pitching. Oh, well, I mean, there's tons of names. I mean, clearly you can go from the, the Nolas of the world who are just in your division to the Jordan Montgomery's and several, several others. You can go to the trade variety where now Dylan Cease, among others, could end up in that mix as well. There's tons of pitching. To me, it's not just about pitching. The Mets need to get younger pitching. The Mets have to get pitching that can grow with them. The Mets have to get pitching where they could sign four or five-year deals and the guys aren't going to be 39 years old at the end of that contract. The Mets are not going to win at a high level this year. Everyone's in a wild wild card conversation as long as you're decent, I think they'll probably be there as long as they get a few free agents to round out the club. But they're not going to beat out the Braves or be anywhere close to as good as they are. They're not going to be better than the Phillies. They're not going to be better than the Dodgers. So you're looking two to three years out. That means if I sign a pitcher who's 36 years old, by the time that they're in that year that doesn't matter, you're in the year that matters to you. They have to concentrate on younger pitchers. They have to find guys. And I think that's why trade and that vehicle becomes such an avenue for them. But the Mets 
absolutely have to not only get pitching, but after all the injuries with the DeGroms and then the situation with Scherzer and with Verlander and the age that they carried into that rotation with the injuries to the likes of Peterson, who's off the board. And even when he was on it, let's be fair, we like him more than he really is good. I think the Mets need to get pitching, but they also need to get some pitching that is coming into their own, that is entering their prime. I don't see them as the kind of guys who are adding the Jordan Montgomery's of the world who are going to be sitting on a three, four year deal for a lot of money and ready to win now. The Mets need to try and find some guys where they can kind of get some bang for their buck. And that's going to be a little bit harder to find than these top names when you look at the Nolas and some of the others available. We've got Senga. We've got Quintana. Knowing what we know about who's available in free agency and who could possibly be available via trade. How are you, how would you like put yourself, I guess, in David Stern's place? How are you putting together this rotation? If it was up to you, what, what are the names that you would get to round it out? And is anyone uh, I, in-house too? Well, I, I think for sure. The first thing is the in-house part is you've got only two and that's a problem. So the Mets don't have, a lot to pull from. And I'll go back to, I remember talking to Theo Epstein at the Rule 5 draft right after they won the World Series. And I asked him what was the first thing he was going to work on when he got back into the office. And he joked with me that he's already been in the office every day working on pitchers 7 through 10. That's how winning organizations think. That's the guys who you can then go to. Look at some of the crazy names the Mets had to put into their rotation and on their roster last year because they had nowhere to dig into. Now look at the Tampa Bay Rays and clubs like that where they always seem to be going and get the Dodgers they, they were literally massacred in the rotation had no business winning 100 games and no business getting to the playoffs if you look at all the injuries they had no Walker Bueller no Dustin May all the way on down the line Kershaw in and out and they're plucking guys left and right the Mets don't have the Bryce elders to go get right they don't have those names so I think because of that you have to look at free agency and that's where you have to kind of try and find who are going to be those pieces uh, obviously I think when you look at it Yamamoto is somebody who we're going to here mentioned a lot. I don't see how the Mets are going to be able to outbid some of those other teams to go get him. Blake Snell is going to be a guy you hear a lot. He's looking at like a $200 million number probably attached to him. I do think the one thing about Snell is if you look at kind of where he sits right now and his career, even though it seems like he's been around forever, he's not old. So at least if you sign him to a six, seven year deal, you figure he'll still be there and at the highest of his game by the time you turn around and are ready to win. I, I think Snell to me would be a guy that I'd like to see them go after. Yamamoto will be a guy that I think they can go after. But the worry that I have with the Mets, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a hater, is not only that they can't be in on Josh Hader when you look at the back end, but that some of the top front end guys, the Sonny Gray, some of the other names you'll mention, I think they're going to have teams with high price tags that can afford them that are in just better situations to win. And the one thing the Mets have to do that Met fans will hate that I don't really care if they do, if the Mets want to do the right thing, is that they cannot overspend and overreach to try and, to your point on Steve Cohen's money, outbid somebody else, go give eight, nine years or something crazy to some pitcher to force their way because this team's not ready and they can't add bad money. They need to be ready when they can win to go use this money to push them over the edge. So I have a little bit of a fear, if I'm being honest, that some of these big names are going to go elsewhere. I don't see Snell. I don't see Yamamoto. I don't see Gray. I don't see Nola. And those are, to me, and Montgomery, easily the top five names that are on this board. Do you think the Mets should 
set the market and sign someone first or, you know, sit back and wait? Because, you know, if they sit back and wait and let's say Sonny Gray or, you know, even a Jordan Montgomery goes for a little more than they should be, will that be a problem for now when the Mets try to sign someone? Now they're going to definitely have to overpay or no matter what, this team is going to end up overpaying for this starting pitching. Well, I think most likely to your point, they're probably going to end up overpaying regardless because at even money, unless the other teams that are viable as far as winning is concerned, aren't going to be in the mix. There's no reason for them to go to you. So for example, if the Dodgers or teams like, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Atlanta Braves, just in division among many others, Houston Astros, the Texas Rangers, who still got tons of money can go on down the line. Even the Yankees at even Steven, I think better shot that you're looking at those, those teams having a better chance at even, money so they're probably gonna have to overpay a little bit regardless i do think there's a value to what you're saying about going first the problem is is that normally to get those guys to sign a deal early right when free agency begins not wait till winter meetings not let that bidding war you have to overpay them by a year or two or give them some incentive to then want to go ahead and sign that deal early that's difficult to do and it's not going to happen with some of the big names you mentioned because we all know this they're going to play out into winter meetings they're going to have their agents let that bidding war happen because to your point of how the Mets maybe raised Craig Council, right? You need those teams in it. You want Mets, you want Dodgers, you want Yankees. Even if you're trying to get, you want Padres, who you know are going to throw tons of money. Remember, they try to offer Judge $400 million. They're going to throw money at everybody. I think you're probably looking at this, this taking a little longer. I think if you're looking at lower level and mid to lower market teams, you might be able to go ahead and go get those guys, I think, early in free agency. If you're talking about the guys like Jack Flaherty or somebody like that, you want to kind of take a bid or a flyer on him, maybe give him an extra year than somebody else is willing. But if we're talking about Montgomery, if we're talking about Nola, we're talking about Snell, we're talking about Yamamoto, I'd even put maybe even Giolito in that mix, Sonny Gray. I think you're looking at this taking at least three, four weeks and some of, somewhat of a bidding war before you see this play out. I want to switch to the the lineup because Stearns did talk about, you know, Daniel Vogelback and his future. Uh, said mm-hmm. we're still discussing it. I understand the skill set he brings. Clearly, I acquired him in my previous spot and i appreciate that i also look how it fits into the broader scope of our team now even after the uh 20 the 2022 season when they won 101 games i was still not sold on bringing daniel vogel back back (laughs) in all intents and purposes um Mm -hmm. i thought that he did not play a position and i thought that that was a detriment to this team um a detriment to a roster spot i mean no offense to him but I, I I think the Mets need to move on from uh, Daniel Vogelback and get a legitimate DH in here um, to protect Pete Alonzo and, you know, protect Francisco Lindor. Are you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I got, I get no, Daniel Vogelback's a nice guy. Absolutely. I got no interest in bringing him back. Zero. The Mets have should no interest in bringing him back. Zero. And for everybody who got on, you know, Buck Showalter and gave him crap for putting Vogelback in the lineup every single day, what they didn't pay attention to or spend enough time on is that it was Billy Epler's fault and it was Steve Cohen and that management as a whole and their lack of funds elsewhere, their lack of really horse sense, if you will, to do anything beyond sitting and getting laid out on that Correa situation situation that they didn't put other guys in the lineup. They forced Buck to have to put him in there and then wanted them and wanted him based on their analytics to put Vogelbach in there. So 
look, I like Daniel Vogelbach if you're telling me that you're a winning team ready to win a World Series and he's your Matt Stairs. That's basically the best he can offer. And by the way, that's what he was on the Brewers and that's what he was in his career before he came to the Mets. That's what he is. He's a guy who plays once or twice a week, but then when you need that lefty bat in that 10th inning, when you're sitting there in the playoffs and you need that guy, when that righty reliever's on the mound who could then go into the on-deck circle with a man on and tie a game, that's the guy who can go take some swings if, by the way, he ever swings because all he did was take pitches anyway. So, no, I, I, you know, at the risk of, you know, look, I, I'm I'm ready to welcome Nelly Cruz, who just retired, back to unretire before I have any business putting Vogelbach back in there, unfortunately. I, I like him a lot. And if the Mets were ready to win a World Series and he was that lefty off the bench, I'm totally in. I'm all for that. If he's your Matt Franco, I'm fine with that, right? But in terms of what he was or needed to be, no. They need to be, the Mets need way better support and way better power. They need to make this easier on themselves where it's not necessarily all about Lindor and Alonzo. And by the way, that's with asking for Marte and McNeil and others who had subpar seasons to step up, with Alvarez to take another step. And oh, by the way, what are you doing at third base where I still think, and I've said since the day he got there, Brett Beatty is kind of an extra player. I mean, he's kind of, he, he at best to me, he's a seven hitter in your lineup who, you know, continues to, to evolve defensively at third base and gives you a little something offensively. He, he's not an impact guy. Vientos, too many holes in the swing. Not an impact guy. The Mets need at least two or three bats to add to that lineup. Where are they going to get them? And then to your point, going back and funneling it back to the beginning, if they overspend on pitching, which we know they need to do, how in the world are they then going to have money to overspend on a free agent bat? There are going to be holes somewhere where they need to fill internally. And when you think about Beatty and Vientos and some of the guys they have, probably more likely internally you're trying to find fits with bats than you are with pitchers. Look, I would have taken last season J.D. Martinez and his bad back. I wanted that. Uh, for sure. And, yes. and he proved in the Dodgers that he was good enough and, and you know, even helped them get to the uh, the postseason. Uh, I, I think, you know, this whole, you know, exercise that we're doing right now, talking about this, we it's really to get Met fans ready because going back to what Steve Cohen said at the trade deadline of, you know what, they may, really might not spend like they did in the last two off season. So we have to be prepared for that. Yes, they have a lot of money coming off the books, but now we need to start seeing some smart and savvy spending uh, in this lineup, in the pitching staff, in the bullpen. And there is a lot that needs to be done. Like we, what do we have about maybe 15 out of 26 man roster right now? We don't have a full roster at all. And and a lot of that money is going to go and into no the starting bullpen. pitching. And no, and no, no bullpen. bullpen. And no bullpen. No bullpen. No. They have, this team has no bullpen, which by the way, is an issue nobody talks about. But at the end of the day, if they're going to have to win close games and they're not going to be able to bowl people over with three aces in the rotation or you know tons of bats that, that have some kind of crazy offense like the Braves were bringing last year or Texas, they're going to have to win in the margins. Right now, who the hell's in their bullpen? They got two guys. And one of them coming off a serious injury. Big problem. And, and we're going to get, we're going to get into that bullpen very shortly. Just one final note. I, I talked about getting someone to be uh, a, a protection for Pete Alonzo and, and David Stearns did talk about Pete. That's going to be a big talking point throughout the whole winter is if they're going to sign him or if they're going to trade him. And I think David Stearns made it clear that they don't anticipate trading Pete Alonzo and they're talking about an extension this offseason. Uh, the Mets have a lot of money to spend, got pitching to take care of. Uh, does the polar bear get extended this offseason? Does he get traded? 
traded at some point or signs next offseason with the Mets or another team? I think it's one of the last two and too hard to tell. I think a lot of it will be based on how he's treated this season, how the Mets season goes, and what's out there for him. Scott Boris, this is where people get Scott wrong. He he is an agent and he will certainly try and, you know, give players an idea of what their best scenario is. But he has proven many times over that he will go against what he wants and give players the deals they want. Example, I remember talking to him right after the Bryce Harper deal and he said to me point blank, there's no way I wanted Bryce Harper to sign a 13-year deal. If you recall, he had on the table one deal that was three years for $150 million. I think it was the Dodgers at the time. And then goes back out to market at like 30 years old and then goes to get a hundred. Why would I lock him in? And by the way, his AAV Harper's is not that big over the 13 years. So I think for sure he's willing to acquiesce to his client. If Pete Alonso says, Hey, look, I want to sign the dotted line. I want to do it now. I want to do it with the Mets and I'll do it at, at whatever we think is a, a, a requisite price for what I am, which is based on what he feels. Now to me, you're not Freddie Freeman. You're not Matt Olson and you can't get paid like the two of them. I'm sure if you're looking at Pete Alonzo and Scott Boris as a tandem, there will be some way, even if it's with incentives, that he's able to say he's the highest paid first baseman in the league. That's what Scott Boris does. And oh, by the way, if the Mets don't pay it, someone else will. Because while it may not be worth it to the Mets to go pay him that much money, because they know, okay, he's not perfect, and we know what he is, what he's not. Some other team who sees him as the push over the edge, let's say the Padres are just throwing out names, that say, hey, look, that's the guy who can go ahead and change our franchise and vault us over, who would get tons of money they may be willing to do that where the Mets are not. Because of those reasons, I don't see how the Mets will come up with a number that keeps Pete Alonso and Scott Boris out of free agency. So I think he'll go to free agency. Will they trade him? I don't think so. Now, that's at the beginning of the season. If the Mets are 25 games under 500 and they get to a trade deadline, they'd be dumb if they don't already have a yes not to trade him and get something. So it's kind of a wait and see, not a cop-out answer, but before the year, no signing, no trade. If they're bad, moved at the deadline, most likely this plays out in the offseason next year. Most likely. Once again, I'm here with Casey Stern, the host of Unfiltered with Casey Stern on the Believe Podcast Network. Casey, I want to get into some player transactions. We talked about the bullpen. Uh, they have implications on what the Mets are actually going to do this offseason now. Uh, the Mets first off picked up the option on Brooks Raley, $6.5 million last season. Brooks was 1-2 and two with a 2.80 ERA, 61 strikeouts in 54 and two-thirds innings pitch. To me, this was an absolute no-brainer just because of what you said earlier on. There's no bullpen. Absolutely none. <laughs> Except for him and a returning Edwin Diaz. Yeah, I mean, that's all you got. And Diaz coming off an injury. Look, I love like the videos of like Edwin throwing and all this is great and I think, thank God, cooler heads prevailed because it would have been like asinine to have him go in at the back end of the season for no apparent reason in pitch. But they oh, only yeah. have two guys. So, I mean, you know, partnering this with the other one, which is Adovino basically says, no, thank you. They got two guys sitting there in the bullpen and that is going back to something I said before one of the biggest problems the Mets have is they don't have a system where in that like 4A land they can pluck for them and go get look at some of the names they had last year I mean these guys were terrible that they were putting into games and this is when they were still in it like in the middle of the season I mean Buck had no it was it was ungodly every time they had an injury they're nowhere to go where a lot of these other teams have all these different young how many young arms do we see pop out of bullpen seemingly everywhere and especially on winning organizations but the Mets don't have it. Well, how are they going to find those names? The Mets are going to have to sign a number of free agents. Like you could be talking about four or five arms in relief, right? If they're spending a lot of money on 
a starting rotation and they go get a bat, at least one that costs money. Where are they affording in the bullpen? And how does that add up to, well, we're not spending a lot of money this offseason. So again, it's not the end of the world. The Mets can get there. David Stearns is the right guy. I do believe that. But any Met fan who believes this is a one-off season fix is not paying attention to what this real roster looks like. Because it is, I mean, holes would mean that you could actually see the holes. The roster is harder to see than the holes, if we're being fair with this team. You know, outside of signing Hayter, uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, yep. bringing back David Robertson, or even yep. uh, bringing a new deal with uh, Adam Adovino, which is, it, it It could be possible. We don't know how, how things will turn out. Mm. You're you're looking at, obviously, Drew Smith. Um, yep. Will they transition a McGill, a uh, Jose Buto, uh, maybe mm. even a Joey Lucchese to, you know, being in the bullpen? I, I would think not. I think they would want to have them as depth in the rotation. Like you talked about having sent to, uh, seven to 10 you know pitchers deep uh the Mets don't have that and um you know something that I that we see with other teams and I, I want to preface maybe Adam Wainwright here uh where he started off as a reliever uh coming into the major leagues uh and then he closed like unfortunately we saw in 2006 um why don't the Mets try something like that with some of these you know young pitchers that are close to uh, being ready like the you know Christian Scott's the vassals, the the Hamels, Stewart. Maybe start them off coming out of the bullpen. Maybe it's something. I, I, maybe it's going to mess up with with their program. But I have seen a lot of teams take some of their young pitchers, start them out in the bullpen, move them into long relief, and then they become starters. Yeah, I mean, look if they if they have arms that they feel like they could do that with, I think they certainly should try. Um, I I don't necessarily know that any of those names are going to be that guy, but I I think the problem is is they need to really start doing this in their system before they get to the big league level. And now it's harder to kind of fill those roles. I mean, when you look at some of the names that they could pluck in free agency, and you mentioned some of them, I think about Ronaldo Lopez is a guy who could be interesting for them because he can give them some, they need somebody who can give them some length in the bullpen and who's got an arm. Nick Martinez, who I know he wanted to start this past year. I don't know how he feels about it, but a guy who was in San Diego. Um, Is Michael Lorenzen a guy that they could get to maybe go back to the bullpen? Seth Lugo, perhaps. I, I mean, I, I just I don't I don't believe in any of the young arms the Mets have like that we've seen. Like, I, I don't think I, I don't think we're there. I mean, clearly, they really upgraded at the deadline what we're looking at in terms of position players. And they're in a much better spot with that and way, way closer when you look at the Gilberts and Acunas and some of the guys that they have. Right. And Jet and some of these other guys, I, I think they're way closer. As far as pitching names, these aren't exactly the days of like, uh, you know, going back to and I know Isringhausen, Wilson and Pulsiver didn't work out. But the one with Matt Harvey and DeGrom and then Syndergaard who came over looked pretty good for a while. We don't have that kind of thing. I, I don't I don't know how they're going to fill these roles. I, I, I do know this. They're going to need youth somewhere to fill spots because they can't fill all these spots with money. E- even Steve Cohen can't because it wouldn't be worth it. I mean, even if you filled all these spots, you know, the Mets aren't going to get an Otani. But if they wanted to play on a Yamamoto, right? If they wanted to play on a Blake Snell, if they wanted to play on a Sonny Gray, that's still mucho dollars. So we're talking about big time money. And if you do that, you don't you can't go sign nine other guys unless we're talking about league minimums and really small deals. The Mets are going to have to figure out where to fill. I'll be honest. I think the bullpen they can't play around with. They're not going to be good enough from a premier position standpoint.
standpoint in too many different areas, have deep enough of a rotation to me, regardless of who they sign, the bullpen has to be really good. If the Mets are going to overperform what, let's say, the roster, whatever it looks like opening day, Anthony, I think their, their bullpen has got to be almost dominant with Edwin Diaz and really at the back end of that, giving you a really good start. But they're going to have to spend some money and, and spend some free agent dollars in the bullpen. They have to. The bullpen is just so prevalent right now in the sport where, you know, some pitcher could be going 70 pitches uh, and, and they're taking him out. Like they're taking him out early to go to the bullpen and do four or five innings from the bullpen. So I think you're right. I think the bullpen has to be, you know, just as important during free agency and maybe trade this offseason. Uh, and Adam Adovino, he declined uh, his player option. I think it was a $6.75 million to go to free agency. He wanted to redo his contract, but the Mets were, were not interested, and that was coming from uh, Joel Sherman of the New York Post. Last season, he was 1-7 with a 3.21 ERA, 62 strikeouts in 61 and two-thirds innings pitched. And, you know, you look at the ERA, and it's like, you know what? In the bullpen that we had last year, that that's perfectly fine to me. He did struggle in some big spots, and I think it was them putting him in big spots with the absence of Edwin Diaz that kind of you know hurt him. Uh, his career with the Mets seven and ten, two point six two ERA. Uh, he wasn't awful, but you could tell that he had a tough time adjusting to the new rules, uh, especially with the stolen bases. Uh, Stearns talks about run prevention, and maybe Adovino is a, a casualty of that. With the bullpen, like we talked about, as depleted as it is right now, do you think letting Adovino go was the right move? I mean... They're going to have to figure out where they want to allocate the dollars. And David Stearns knows better than me what their plan is. Because one thing about him is he will have a plan. And even if he doesn't know the names, the plan will be we're going to get one of these three or four guys and we're going to go for them. And then our second tier is going to be here. And then we're going to use some money over here. And if he feels like he could put together the bullpen without him, then you know clearly maybe that's possible. I look at Adam Adovino and I think, look, he did everything you could have ever asked for in the, in the time that he spent with the Mets. And you wish him well. Was it worth the money uh, they've got other places they've got to spend they may need some cheaper options and remember they put 20 million a year in edwin diaz so you got a lot of money locked up you mentioned six and a half really that's 26 and a half million dollars locked up to two guys in a bullpen that only has two guys so <laughs> they may have to go for it they may have to find three players for the money that adovina was getting paid and again this goes back to met fans need to in my opinion yes be, be greedy to ask for a team that's better than last year. Ask for a direction where you know what's on the GPS and you know how far away you are. But if you're expecting this team to be as good as the Phillies or Braves next year with all these roster holes, I think you're really just putting yourself through a world of hurt. I don't see how it's possible. I think the three big words of this offseason are smart, savvy, and creative is yeah, what this sure. team is going to have to do. Yeah, yep. Um, one last thing. Uh, this was a kind of a, it was a blow, I would say, to 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 the pitching staff. Obviously, that's already depleted. But David Peterson had hip surgery on Monday to repair a, a labrum in his left hip. He'll miss six to seven months. Last season, he was three and eight with a 5.03 ERA in his Mets career, 18 and 21 with a 4.51 ERA. With Joey Lucchese, Tyler McGill, Jose Budo having a, a strong finish to last season, I thought they pitched pretty well towards the end of the, uh, of the season. And now the impending arrivals of, of Mets prospects, like I mentioned earlier, Mike Vassell, Christian Scott, Dom Hamill, and even Tyler Stewart. Is this pretty much the beginning of the end for David Peterson? I I, I don't want to say that too yeah. much because he's a lefty. You know, uh, everybody always wants, you know, a lefty in the bullpen or in the rotation. But with the, the prospects coming up, I, I, I can't see Peterson lasting too long, at least in the Mets organization. Nobody loves their own players. 
more than Mets fans. Nobody. That's why people had posters of Dilson Herrera on their wall and were so thrilled that he came back for the second time as just an example and thought that he was the second coming and of what, honestly. So let's now look at it and take ourselves out of Metland and go back to just the facts of what you said. He was three and eight with an ERA over five. Think about how bad in how many starts David Peterson was. Think about over the last two, three years, how many times he'd pitch well for a day or two and obviously over every five days when he was starting and then be miserable. And think about how many times we said, oh, well, maybe you should go into the bullpen. And then when we saw him out of the bullpen, then we thought Buck made a mistake putting him in the bullpen. And then we wanted him back as a starter. Then he'd have that one good start and everybody's back on board. See, there's our guy. There's our David Peterson. Our David Peterson sucks. I mean, he's just not very good. So at the end of the day, yeah, it's probably the end. And if they ever want to win, in what spot is David Peterson in? He's your fighting for a fifth starter job in spring training guy. Maybe he could be that again healthy. Maybe. Is he better than that? No. Would David Peterson have sniffed the Braves rotation or the Phillies rotation or any other team that's in? I mean, look, the Arizona Diamondbacks rotation, let's be fair. So uh, not to be rude, and I hope he, I wish him well in his recovery. But David Peterson's just another one of those guys that we as Met fans just kind of fall in love with hoping they become little engine that could, especially because he's left handed. But he's kind of terrible, unfortunately. Yeah, when you, you look are, at when. Nah. No, nah, I don't think. I mean, you're I mean, being realistic. Terrible. Over five not, ERA. I mean, it's not good. Look, look, not good. Casey, uh, McGill, and Budo all had yes, better. somewhat decent, yes, yes. you know, end of the season starts. Yes. Whereas, and I, I was at a lot of games. Unfortunately, like um, last yeah. season, I was at a lot of games where I had to watch David Peterson or yeah. you know yeah. uh, Jose Buto pitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not good. And I'll tell not you this: good. the Mets need. They need to prioritize pitchers that are going to go length three to four innings from a David Peterson start, which happened numerous times that I was at City Field. That's not good. We can't have the bullpen, especially at the state that it is right now, going six innings. Can't. Not good enough. No, Just they, they need depth. They need innings. They missed having the Chris Bassett of the world and the guys who they could uh. rely on to go deep into games desperately. And they're going to need to find that. But those are probably middle of the market starters who are not going to blow anybody you know, uh, you know, uh, minds in terms of like, you know, some name. It's not going to be Blake Snell. They're probably going to build under Senga and Quintana more likely than be able to find a guy above them. Will they go for Yamamoto and those guys? I do think they will. Are they going to be in an Otani? Of course they're going to try. But I, I, I just, I, I think they're going to fail because I do think there are years where there are big time teams in huge markets that don't have needs. This isn't one of those years. The Dodgers desperately need pitching and they have tons and tons and tons of money. And they're just one of many franchises that can play like Chicago with the big boys and spend money. Now they just give 40 million to a manager. It's not to sit there and do nothing. They're going to make a, for you could book it. The Cubs will get one of these starters, the top five for sure. Cubs, Dodgers, Yankees. These are all teams with tons of money. Why would you go to the Mets instead? So they need to be careful about going back to your previous point at the beginning, overpaying and just throwing out Steve Cohen money to force guys to come there. They kind of got to play it a little bit patient this offseason. They have to. I'll end this uh, with this right here. Um, Jacob deGrom was a blow to my psyche, him leaving. Yep. But Chris Bassett hurt the team. Losing Chris Bassett hurt the team. And, uh, you know, I would have signed Senga and Bassett if I could. 
I, I was never in on Verlander. Uh, I thought it was, I thought he was too old and uh, it did end up happening being, you know, he was, he was too old I, I, to, to count him for three years at, at 39, 40. I thought they should have brought Bat Bassett and he had a great uh, or very good season uh, in Toronto. But uh, Casey, as we wrap up here, let everyone know, you know, what you're working on and, and what you have coming up in the future. Yeah. Well, you guys uh, can find me, uh, you get into Twitter X, if you will, at Casey Stern, get into the bio. You can get uh, my podcast, uh, which is uh, on Believe Network, but it's on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you can get them called Unfiltered. I usually put out three, four episodes a week. We've got all kinds of uh, folks from former players to uh, current and former GMs and not just in baseball, but I do some basketball, which I cover and uh, we do hockey and we do combat sports as well. So it's kind of all over the board, but a lot of baseball as well. You could find it as well. I've got my own YouTube channel, which you can get into the bio and get on Twitter X at Casey Stern and, uh, and jump on board. And yeah, I mean, look, uh, I've been uh, I've been a Met fan my whole life. I was blessed to be able to cover them uh, during a time where thankfully when I was doing it, they won. And, you know, now I watch from afar and I'm in the same pain that everybody else is. But I try and be rational about it. They're probably at best about a 500 team this coming year. And Met fans need to kind of understand that. And I say that because then you won't lose sleep. Then you won't drive yourself nuts. Then you won't be in winter meetings saying, how the freak did somebody else get this guy and we didn't get this guy? The Mets are not a destination right now. They need to kind of settle the waters, hope this manager's the right guy, David Stearns for a year, some of the young kids grow, and then more likely that next year they can really pounce with those dollars. And Otani is not going to be where those dollars are pounced because you could already put him in Chavez Ravine. You could already get him his Dodger jersey because that's where he's going. Casey, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Subway to Shape podcast. And I I hope we could do this again at some time. Anytime, man. My pleasure, Anthony. Good to uh, be on board, and uh, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Appreciate you, man. You take care. You too, buddy. All right, that was Casey Stern, the host of Unfiltered with Casey Stern on the Believe Podcast Network. Like he said, follow him on X at Casey Stern. And that's going to wrap it up for the Subway to Shea podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Casey. You can follow on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Subway to Shea. Listen, subscribe to the Subway to Shea podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can rate the show and leave comments for me to review. And also, Subway to Shea's on YouTube. I'm starting to see the subscribers grow on YouTube, and I appreciate all of you that are subscribing. And if you're not, please please subscribe. I got a lot of good clips out there, a lot of good shorts on there. Uh, make sure to hit that subscribe, subscribe button so you can get all the notifications and updates from my channel. You can also leave comments and a huge thumbs up if you enjoy or thumbs down if you didn't enjoy, but I'm hoping for more thumbs up than thumbs downs. Uh, I would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan side of network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple blog and the fan side of network at fan side. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in and helping my podcast grow each and every week. You all have been a major part of the success of the Subway to Shape podcast. And I appreciate, I appreciate each and every one of you. So for Anthony Rivera, this is the Subway to Shape podcast. And always remember, let's go Mets. 